As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome aboard The Athletic's Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets with Tim McMaster, Zach Rosenblatt, and Marissa Dunn. Can't wait. The pendulum swings back the other way for the Jets. They fall 27-12 to the Bengals in a game filled with mistakes that brought back the reality that even in the Jets' win this season, they only led for 22 seconds. But if you believe head coach Robert Sala, it's all just bad luck. Nothing to worry about. Whether you're watching live on YouTube or listening to the pod, thanks for joining us. This is the Can't Wait Podcast. Tim McMaster here along with our athletic Jets reporter, Zach Rosenblatt. And producer Marissa Dunn, we're talking about the miscommunication, the bad penalties, the bad luck, Robert Sal's response to it all on Monday. Also, the latest on Zach Wilson as he gets closer and closer to returning to this team. I wanted to say thank you to Marissa for filling in while I was away last week for the Bengals preview episode. Uh, Flawless episode, as always. I mean, I got big shoes to fill, Tim. So we're happy that you're back. We're happy you had a nice little vacation and you're, Must be nice. you're back. Vacation with us. in the middle of the season. Must be nice. <laughs> Tim has like four seasons because he does baseball too. So Yeah, it's it's like when, you know, yeah, I guess there's there, really there's no probably, good time. There's probably a time in February, but who wants to like at that point? Um Marissa, you're gonna be monitoring the chat, right? To figure yes. out who's going to be our uh, listener picks person. Coming up uh, later in the week, we'll we'll check back in on that. The listeners starting to do a little better after week yeah. one, which has been good to say. Uh, before we get into the game, though, one thing I wanted to share, Zach, uh, you know, you, you jumped over onto the, the Jets beat. You were covering the Giants before. And, you know, people like to get a feel for their new beat writers and what they're doing. And I feel like the vibes were really positive for, for a positive while. Positive vibes through, only, yeah. Yeah, through training camp and, and through the first couple of weeks. But... Monday night, you tweeted, <laughs> the parking lots were not packed on Sunday, responding to a, a tweet about the uh, the parking lots being full the on Connor Monday for the Giants game. Too. Yeah. And, well, the honeymoon is over. The, uh, the, the yeah. fan, you, you've you felt the pain word. now, right? Yeah. I, I mean, as soon as I sent it, I'm like, this probably was not the right decision. <laughs> it was one of those <laughs> tweets. Um, I wasn't, I realized that, in retrospect, it looks like I was criticizing the fans. I was more just uh, pointing out that, like, when I drove into the stadium, I did not hit like any traffic, which I've never really experienced going to MetLife other than the pandemic. So I, 
like so connor said he had a tough time getting in in the tweet or whatever it was or that the parking lot was packed when i got to the to met life on sunday two hours before or two yeah two hours before kick uh i just went right up to the parking lot like without really having to wait very much so that was all that was my only observation the, the crowd was pretty good still uh um, right. but yeah people were mad that i was accusing fans of not showing up <laughs> well, but that's the thing. It's like it was a pretty good crowd on Sunday, yeah. right? So it wasn't it wasn't criticism, but you got to be careful. You got to <laughs> tread lightly, uh, especially coming off a game like Sunday. So let's get into that. Uh, we'll start with the mistakes. Um, that's been the storyline throughout the season so far. Um, you know, it was all kinds of mistakes. It's on the field mistakes, miscommunication, which we'll get into with JD Reed's comments, but DJ Reed's comments, but also. The dumb penalties, right? The the personal foul, the roughing the passer on Jonathan Franklin Myers, the personal foul on the Marcus Joyner, Davis with the unsportsmanlike conduct. I mean, I know Robert Salas said every team makes mistakes, six or seven a game. We're just getting burned on ours. But like those mistakes are not mistakes that every team consistently makes. Yeah, and I keep I keep saying it like this, like if the Bills have a game when they have these mistakes, they can chalk it up to, okay, that we had a bunch of mistakes and we, you know, we'll bounce back. We'll learn from it. The Jets don't have that benefit of the doubt. They have not earned that. So, um, and the fact that this is, I mean, all three weeks, really, they've made those mistakes. In week two, they just happened to catch the Browns on a week when they had more more of those mistakes. So, um, I mean, it's concerning. It's, I think the most concerning part, honestly, is that it's the veterans that are making these errors. You know, you have Corey Davis, you know, that was that was killer. They they had a real chance to make a comeback there. If they had scored on that drive, it would have been within one score. All of a sudden, you're looking at another comeback type situation. Instead, he like shoves the dude in the end zone for no reason. Um, you know, the John John Franklin Myers. I think people some people were questioning whether that was a penalty. Um, but the reality is, you can't put yourself in position to like you just when when the when the pass is out of the quarterback's hand, you have to just let it go. <laughs> like that's just yep. the way rules it's are. A quarterback now. league. Yeah. So like those were just killer penalties. Um, and I mean, and then you have Joe Flacco who had a rough day. Um, you know, the defense could not get off the field on third down. It was absolutely brutal in the beginning. I think Ruth Samini had a stat that this season, the Jets have allowed seven of their 10 touchdowns on third down. Um, that's just a, not a good sign for, for a defense. Um, so there, there's a lot of, lot of concerns, especially on defense, I would say, uh, I think you can attribute a lot of the troubles on offense to Joe Flacco, honestly. I know the offensive line wasn't great, but um, I clearly last week, I don't think it was a fluke necessarily because I, I think Flacco showed both sides of himself last or in week two against the Browns. Like I think he showed both sides. He didn't look good for some of that game, and then he looked good at the end. Um, like this is who Flacco is. And so now, it's it as expected, because this is how <laughs> things go with the Jets. Um, last week, so week one, they won Flacco bench for Mike White. Week two, they they start quite debating whether Joe Flacco should replace Zach Wilson. Week three, they're like Zach Wilson is our savior. So it's a <laughs> uh, it's pretty pretty amazing that we're at, we're at right back to where we started. I guess I don't know. <laughs> pretty predictable, I guess yeah. the, the word too. So as far as the miscommunication goes, and Reed called for defensive meetings to fix yeah, yeah. the miscommunication, which I thought was kind of wild. And I and I know a lot of people jumped on it immediately, like. What do you do all week, right? Right. Yeah. You have meetings. These teams have meeting after meeting, along with practice. And that was kind of CJ Mosley's response, right, like, when he was asked about the the DJ Reed. I I will say, like, I I get like DJ Reed is is perfectly you know accurate at this point. Like the fact that these mistakes keep happening on the back end, in particular, and all you know Robert Sala's point of like 
there's six or seven miscommunications every game for every team. We've just gotten unlucky on two. Actually, they've gotten unlucky on three. It was like one each week has been a touchdown. Um, and, you know, he attributed it to new faces in the secondary, which is true. All four of these guys did not play together last year. Uh, but you're also supposed to work out those kinks in training camp. Like, that's a part of the and, – and I know, you know, DJ Reba's banged up in camp a little bit. Joyner was. But anyway, you, you just can't keep having those mistakes every week. It's just really bad reflection on the coach staff. And something that – Salah admitted, which was surprising to me coming off of him saying that you get unlucky a couple of times. And somebody else was like, you know, DJ Reed also said that uh, maybe they need to simplify things for the defense. And then Salah kind of was like, yeah, maybe, you know, maybe we're having too many checks and, you know, we don't want it. So they're out there and, and they're thinking too much instead of just playing. And so, so maybe we'll simplify it a little more. Like it, it's alarming that we're already having these conversations in week four. You're having Quinn and Williams blow up on the defensive line coach because, he doesn't like the way that he doesn't want them to blitz anymore. They th- like he's trying to tell them how to do the scheme properly or whatever. And, you know, then they listen. I don't know if they necessarily listen to him, but based on how they called the rest of the game, they listen and the pass rush is better. Like there's, there's, see, it feels like there's a disconnect between players and coaches on the defensive side right now. I don't know if that's completely fair to say or not, but just based on like what we've seen on the field, uh, no, so- something's not clicking. Like the defense has had some real problems. Um, and it's 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 a concern because this is you know I I tweeted this out a little while ago. Football Outsiders does their DVOA stat. Uh, the Jets' offense, I think it said, was 18th. Their defense was 32nd, and the special teams was sixth. So if you if you have the a middle of the pack offense, you don't need the defense to be amazing, but you can't have them be the worst defense in the league. So. Right. Uh, you mentioned Quentin Williams and the uh, the disagreement on the field with uh, Coach Aaron Whitecotton, which Williams said after the fact that it was a loud conversation and <laughs> not a fight. Amazing, and yeah. and there's a lot of respect there between player and coach. Um, Whitecotton's a guy that these guys generally, from from what I hear, love to play for. So it wasn't really a fight like we don't like each other. It was more like you you said he was saying we should be doing this, not what we're doing. I guess my question for you as a guy who's covered these teams and you know you're there throughout the week is should those discussions be had before the game when you're talking about how we're going to approach this team should should Quinn and Williams be saying hey we should be getting you know everybody's getting to Joe Burrow we should be able to get to Joe Burrow by rushing just four and not blitzing um, or is that something where you're not sure what the play calls are going to be until you're in the heat of the game and then you see which way it's going and and Quinn and Williams was obviously bothered by the way it was going yeah. Well, first of all, that, that the loud conversation quote, um, I had like a, an Italian friend of mine say he's like, he, re- he really sounds like an Italian guy with that, like <laughs> an Italian family fighting with each other. <laughs> it wasn't an, it wasn't a fight. It was a loud argument or whatever he said. <laughs> it was a loud conversation. Um, you know, I like absolutely like, that needs to be a conversation before. Um, this clearly isn't a team that's very good at blitzing the Jets. So I think they kind of established that they are better with a four-man rush. I think Quinn Williams actually played a pretty good game. I know fans, you know, fans are expecting sacks and things like that, which has always been a problem with this defensive line. I will say it is a little concerning that they're having a blow-up of that sort already again, like I said. You know, like I, I know he said it was just a loud conversation, but at the same time, he had to be, like, held back. So um, it's not a great look for sure. Uh, the, the defensive line um, – they just haven't been getting consistent enough pressure. So maybe that's why the jets felt like they had a blitz more, but the blitzes were like clearly not working. And um, the fact that the jets weren't able to get Joe Burrow down when every team has been able to get him down. And there was definitely opportunities. They just like weren't finishing the place. 
you know, Carl Lawson has a half a sack this season. I, I know he's like high up there in pressure rate, but he needs to be better. Uh, and this rotation I know has been frustrating a lot of fans. They, they rotate these defensive ends and defensive linemen so much that I think Quinton Williams only played 60% of the snaps. Carl Lawson was something like 50%. Jermaine Johnson, who played pretty well, only played like 18 snaps or something like that. Uh, they're not going to go away from the, the rotation, but I think there's something to be said about you. You probably need to just have your best players out there as much as possible. But, um, you know, the the rush thing and not getting the quarterback down is going to keep being a problem until they get it done. And it's it's crazy. You know, the defense being this bad cornerback was like their biggest problem going into last season. And now I'd argue it's their biggest strength on this entire team. And usually when you have two shutdown cornerbacks, that kind of makes everything else easier. But they're missing tackles. The safeties are awful or playing awful, I should say. The defensive line's not getting sacks. Like they just need they they never seem to have everything working in unison. <laughs> and it's a shame because you're wasting like a really. Like, I know Sauce has had some miscommunications and stuff, but he like shut down Jamar Chase for most of the day. DJ Reed has been stellar. Like if you have two like lockdown corners, like that's so rare and you can't really waste it. You mentioned Lawson, and the thing I find interesting the the half sack and you said the pressures is that's kind of who he was, right? The whole thing when the Jets signed him was, this is a guy who pressures quarterbacks, but he's never really been able to be the guy who gets there and completes the sack. And I think the Jets saw him as a guy that was going to take that step and they were going to be able to help him to get to be that guy that that piled up sacks. But he's proving to be, and granted, he's still, he missed all last season, the, exactly the guy that he was before the Jets gave him the big contract. Yeah, yeah, and... You know, they're paying him to be that guy, but the reality is he, the Jets don't have the other guy to be that guy so he can do his thing kind of thing. So he's, maybe he's not playing bad, but he's not playing at the level they're paying him. And they, they don't have a, an edge rusher that is, you know, good enough to just, you know, they don't have like a Michael Parsons or somebody like that. You know, you watch that Cowboys game last night, they're absolutely just hammering Daniel Jones. Uh, like the Jets should have been able to do that against uh, the Bengals, but they just, they weren't able to get there. And, you know, it, we're three weeks in. There's still plenty of time for them to improve. You know, maybe as Jermaine Johnson gets more comfortable, they start playing him more. Uh, I, I saw a bunch of comments about Bryce Huff. I, I still think they should play him. I, clearly, there's something missing there. Maybe I don't like him on run defense or something. But his his pressure rate last year was, like, remarkable considering the amount of snaps he had. So, I mean, maybe he's an injection in this defensive line that they need because I haven't seen anything from, like, Jacob Martin. Or, um, you know, John Franklin Myers really has been a little quiet too. So, they, they just – they need a – figure out a way to get pressure up front or the rest of the defense is just not going to play well, especially with how, you know, poor the safeties have been uh, tackling and in coverage, you know, Joyner and Whitehead are like two of the like five worst safeties on PFF. I think Joyner's allowed like a perfect passer rating. Jordan Whitehead's allowed like 158.3. They have like 10 missed tackles between them. Like it's just absolutely brutal in the middle of the field there. And then you just lost Quincy Williams for a few weeks to, to a ankle injury. Um, so, they really need up front to step up. So if you if if your up front's good and your cornerbacks are good, you can kind of live with maybe the safety struggling a little more. But if the up front's not getting pressure, they're going to be in a lot of trouble. Yeah, it's interesting about Huff because you know weeks one and two right now. <laughs> what's that? A lot of Huff comments right now. Just people. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's why I wanted to stick to that for just a second. Um, the if weeks one and two, the story made sense. Like we're going up against two teams that really love to, to jam it down your throat with the run game and the Ravens and the Browns. Uh, so we're going to go heavy with run stoppers. But that's not the story with the Bengals, right? This is a team that likes to throw it. Um, and you would think Huff would have had more of a role, but maybe he's just kind of the, you know, is he the odd man out at this point where this is just going to be his season? Yeah. 
I mean, it, it kind of feels that way. And, you know, they're, they wouldn't be the first team to do something like that and then realize that they need to make a change and then maybe he's the injection that the team needs. But another factor that I was thinking about recently because I saw him working out was Vinny Curry's on injury reserve. Uh, he's eligible to come off. I don't, nobody's asked about him, but they clearly like him. So at some point he's going to have to get activated and then they're going to have to get rid of somebody. So I don't know who that'll be or if they're going to keep eight defensive ends. Like it, it, it's a very interesting dilemma. All of, all of a sudden, like, and I kind of talked about this in the preseason, like there, there is depth and on the, on the defensive line. And like, we have all these good players and stuff like that. But like I said, it, they're, they're bank. It, it, it's, that's all relying on Carl Lawson being really good. If he's not really good, you don't have a guy. You just have a bunch of like solid guys, maybe that can come in and make a few plays here and there, which is why they have to do this rotation in a way. So, um, you know, maybe the depth was overplayed on the defensive line. You know, Nathan Shepard is a guy who's playing a little too much. I think on the interior, he had like 20 snaps. I, w- I would rather like shuffle JFM or Clemens over to the inside more and, and play a guy like Huff or Jermaine Johnson more. So, I mean, that, that's just me. They, they seem, my, I get the impression that the Jets don't think their defense has been as bad as everybody else does. It, it, I really do think they think it. I mean, Salah basically said that. Uh, but I, even just like talking to people in the building, like I, I I don't I, I think they don't think it's they don't really understand why the criticism is so intense on this defense is what I would say. Um, I think they attribute a lot of it to those mistakes, maybe Flacco not playing well, uh, things like that. So we'll we'll see what sort of changes they make or if they just hope that they're good players to start playing better, I guess. It's hard to understand how they would like not get it. What people are seeing with the defense just because. Yeah, sure. It's it's miscommunications and bad luck, if you want to call it that. But like, that's what you see on TV, right? People are watching this game and they see Jamar Chase wide open from the five yard line for a touchdown pass. And at the def- you think, what's the first thing you think? This defense is terrible. Like that's the yeah. first thing. I mean, that you the think. reality so, is, I it's mean, it's a refl- you know. I think there are some talent questions. I think Jordan Whitehead's worse than I thought he was going to be. You know, he's one of those guys where it's like, oh, there's a reason why, you know, the team he was on, let him go kind of thing. And you kind of see that a lot with free agents. Uh, but those those mistakes happening constantly, like it's, the reality is it's a reflection on coaching and preparation. And, you know, again, maybe the defense is too complex. I think that was probably an accurate statement um, from Salah. And maybe simplifying it will help. You've seen that teams do that all the time where they, they go into a season having this complex defense, realize it's not working simplify it things start going better so you hope that's yeah. you know if they, if they can't figure it out against mitch trubisky and we're gonna we'll talk about the steelers more later in the week obviously but if they can't figure it out against trubisky and this steelers offense they don't have a great o-line either uh you know the running game hasn't really gotten going like if, if their defense is going to have a get right game uh if that's such a thing around here it'll it would be this week and if they if they can't stop the steelers then all of a sudden you can you can definitely start getting very concerned i would say that is a great point. This is really a key week, I think, when you look ahead to, to the Steelers and what this game shapes up to as the, as the Jets finish their run through the AFC North. Uh, all right, we're going to take a break. This, there were positives from this game. We want to talk <laughs> about that a little bit, too. The players that did look good despite the overall outcome of this game. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about Zach Wilson and a little bit more when we come back. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, let's talk about some some positives about this game on Sunday. And these are kind of the positives that we've seen throughout the season, although n- not all of them. But l- let's start with the the corners. We've already talked about them a little bit. But the numbers for Sauce, you mentioned how he did on Chase, but 10 snaps, one target, no catches. I think after the game, he said, I feel like I did my job. Um, <laughs> and Chase mentioned how much Sauce likes to talk, um, yeah. which is... Pretty great. I mean, he didn't. He didn't even necessarily mean it all the trash talk, but he also like Sauce just like revealed to him what happened on the miscommunication. He's like, he he talks a little too much. <laughs> <laughs> he um, it's just fun. Rookie yeah. third game, and and he's already got this reputation as as a talkative guy who's just shutting people down. Yeah. And he's been challenged. You know, we going into the season, you know, week one against the Ravens, it was like, okay, we'll see. But but I tell you what, the last couple of weeks he's really shut it down. And then Reed on the other side, QB rating against of sixteen, yeah, which is insane. fantastic. Um, they just got to figure out a little bit of the communication. But but you said it. This these two corners um, could be something special for this Jets team, um, and we'll see how that continues. Especially this week, as you mentioned against Trubisky, we'll see what they can do yeah. against that Steelers team. Yeah, um, you're still still waiting for Sauce to get his first pick. Maybe yeah. this will be the week. No, it was awesome. He had the breakup in the end zone. Yeah, yeah. That was a great play. And he actually had a shot at at holding on to that one. That would have been an unbelievable. Chase Chase was getting legit frustrated with him, too, because he was jawing after. He did like a snow angel after the pass breakup, I think. He's like, I don't even know why I did that. It's not like there was snow on the ground. Um, (laughs) I don't know. It's great to have a guy like that in the locker room because, you know, it's like, I don't know, it's he does it in such a way that it's like endearing. It's not like, you know, there's guys who are cocky and stuff like that. And after a loss, like maybe they would have been criticized for being like, I did my job. He's like, but he also said like, you know, we lost and that's what matters and all that stuff. But I don't know, just something about the way he goes about his, goes about his business. And, you know, he's a gamer and he's, he's actually as good as he says he is. Like it's, it's, it's going to be really fun to cover him for sure. This offense was was bad. You know, Joe Flacco struggled, obviously. But Garrett Wilson, six catches, 60 yards. And Tyler Conklin, who had struggled through two weeks but had a great summer, finally found that summer play, I guess, that he had going. Eight catches, 84 yards. Um, as Zach Wilson gets ready to return, it seems like the weapons are coming into form a little bit. Yeah, that's we've kind of talked about this, I feel like, for weeks now. It's the pieces are really around him. I know the offensive line maybe has some questions again, uh, especially we're going to get into the left tackle situation, which is a mess right now. Um, but, you know, Zach's, Zach Wilson is coming into a situation where the the weapons are all like, are all playing. Even Elijah Moore has been open. Like I saw a crazy stat. Um, I just want to pull it up about Elijah Moore real quick because it, it just like blew my mind. Um, from Bill Barnwell, he said, Rankings for yardage run on untargeted routes through week three. Elijah Moore leads the league with 1,800 yards run without being targeted. Um, so he's running around the field. He's been open a lot, and Joe Flacco just hasn't been seeing him. So he, he's a guy that you think when – like it, his numbers look like he's not playing well, but I don't think that tells the real story. And so you hope Zach Wilson will find him. Um, Tyler Conklin, he had a rough first two weeks. 
came out looked really good, kind of like what we saw all, all all summer. Zach Wilson had a connection with him in camp. Uh, you know, Garrett Wilson, they're they're getting involved in the game. He, he got a little banged up last game, and he came back out, uh, and he was fine. Um, but yeah, you know, Brees Hall looked really good. He had more snaps than Michael Carter this last week. So that the weapons are very encouraging on offense. A, a lot of a lot of you know they're putting a lot of their hopes and dreams on Zach Wilson, but that was always going to be the case with him. And uh, so I mean, it, he's not a we, we're going to find out, I imagine, tomorrow for sure that he's playing this week. I, I don't see why he wouldn't. Uh, he's going to have to practice this week. You know, he's, I would imagine he's going to be rusty in the beginning. But, um, you know, Tyler Conklin being there, the, these weapons being all around him, like he's in position, better position last year to succeed, I think. Uh, and I've, I weirdly feel better about the idea of him playing well than I, than I would Flacco necessarily. Just because what I saw from Flacco last week was pretty brutal. He had some really bad throws. There's, there's a play he just, he just gave up on it threw it out of the end zone when there was two guys open in the middle of the field. And that happened like a lot where he, he, he forced, he forced a deep ball to Braxton Berrios of all people into triple coverage, which was easily picked off when again, you had like Conklin wide open in the middle of the field and Corey Davis. So, um, you know, it's not, it's not as if Zach Wilson deserves all the benefit of the doubt. Like he was pretty rough last year for the most part. Um, and he needs to make better decisions, but I, I can't imagine it can get much worse than it was last week, but I say that and this is the Jets, So people will correct me. <laughs> All right, a couple more positives. Greg the Leg, five for five the last couple of weeks, three of those outside Under 50 kickers. yards. Uh, they they have a kicker. The New York Jets have a kicker. <laughs> we should knock on wood Amazing. probably. <laughs> but, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, but yeah, he, he looks he, – he nailed all – I think all four – he kicked four field goals, no extra points because they didn't score any touchdowns. Um, so he couldn't miss any of those. It did feel like a game where maybe he would have just because of the way things were going. But um, yeah, so – you have like a, a kicker you can rely on, which is a good thing for sure. Uh, and then one last positive I wanted to bring up, and that is um, a guy that there was plenty of concern about going into the season just because of where he is in his career. Max Mitchell, yeah. the rookie, has really grown across three weeks. You know, I watched the the Giants Monday night game last night, uh, and Evan Neal just like was absolutely brutal. I mean, he was playing Demarcus Lawrence, which isn't easy, but he gave up like three sacks like in the first half against him, and we're just getting beat like every play. And you just have not seen that from Max Mitchell any of the weeks, even against, you know, he had that, he gave up that strip sack to Jadavian Clowney against the Browns. I think a lot of that was Clowney just being a freak with long arms. So he was able to strip the ball away from Flacco with like within three seconds. Mitchell had arguably been, you know, I mean, especially this last week, like you didn't even hear his name at all. Whereas George Fant was struggling and Connor McDermott comes in, he struggles. Lakin Tomlinson has had his up and ups and downs. The other two guys have been solid, but, yeah, I've been really impressed with Mitchell. I, I think it speaks really well about what his potential is. And you're going to have a dilemma at some point, maybe not soon, I guess, because fans hurt now. But with when Dwayne Brown comes back, like, what do you do? Like, do you really take Mitchell out as he's getting into a groove? You can't really bench uh, Dwayne Brown because he's making $11 million a year. And then you have George Fan, who is supposed to be their best tackle. So it's a very – I mean, I guess it's a good problem to have if you have yeah. three talented guys, but – I don't know. I don't know what you do there because I mean, I. I think you got to ride with Mitchell. I know. He's your future. I, I, I don't disagree like, with you. Yeah. Eat or, the or, or eleven. Just, just eat like, the money. Just wait, and... wait it out with Dwayne Brown until he's like completely healthy or something like that, or yeah. Fant until he's completely healthy. But um, he's the fu- Mitchell is clearly the future, and to get a guy right. like that in the fourth round is is a very positive development, especially because everybody's flipping out about how Joe Douglas didn't draft any offensive linemen. So if if you if if he becomes like a starting quality offensive lineman, then picking Sauce and Garrett Wilson, who look like absolute studs, looks a lot better too. 
Yeah, and that draft as a whole really very good draft. Really yeah. starts they're, to take I mean, shape. The rookies, I mean, rookies are carrying them. Like Brees Hall looks yeah. great too. Like it, it's crazy because you know I think they, they've been resistant to like criticize the veterans for the through the first couple of weeks, and in week three it was just like so obvious that the veterans were the problem and not the rookies. So it's a very I've never seen something like this before where rookie class is like probably the reason they're staying in games. I was gonna say it's probably the problem. Is that the rookies yeah, that's are carrying? Yeah, the that's fact that, that they're that's leaning on rookies you to want. that degree is a problem. <laughs> you don't need that to happen. All right, so Zach Wilson, we expect him to play against the Steelers, um, the Steelers team that is not quite at the level that it's been forever. It seems like, but they're they're definitely down a little bit. The one thing that we kind of glossed over a little bit is, um, you look at this what they've done for Zach Wilson here, right? And we think back to when we started doing this podcast uh, three years ago um, and Sam Darnold and the fact that Sam Darnold never got the supporting cast and yeah. the Jets never, they never really got to see what he could be because he was never given kind of the chance with the talent around him to show what he could be. Now he has gone elsewhere now. And I think we've, we've all come to the conclusion that <laughs> Sam Darnold is not, not a great quarterback, um, but it was hard to really tell for years with the Jets because there just wasn't anything around him. And now, and this is what Joe Douglas kind of said he was going to do, right? He set up Zach Wilson so that we are going to know if Zach Wilson can play the next, the rest of the season, four through 18, we are going to get to the end of this season and we are going to know if Zach Wilson is this franchise's future quarterback or if he's a bust and we're in a lot of trouble looking at this team. Yeah, you know, I just to bring it again back to when I covered the Giants, you know, I covered Daniel Jones. It was kind of the same thing as Darnold. I covered Jones uh, for two and a half years, and it was the same thing. You could like, how do you evaluate this guy with this this crap supporting cast he has around him? Um, and Zach Wilson's supporting cast is going to be better than anything I covered in New York. Anything that Sam Darnold had certainly, um, even just like Garrett Wilson alone, like a, a guy of that level of talent, they have not had around here in a long time. So. It, it really is, you know, they picked him second overall. Like, this is where he's got to prove that he's the guy, you know. It, it's all hypothetical right now, which is an interesting part of this. You know, everybody's like, maybe he's the savior. It, it's all hypothetical because we haven't seen that he can do that. So it's all us, not us, like the fans, like hoping that he is as good as they want him to be. Because if he is, and this team, I think, can be legitimately competitive. Because as bad as the defense has been, I think there is talent on that defense. The talent is there on offense. Even if the offensive line's bad, they should be able to overcome it. I mean, it's not, and the offensive line has, you know, it's been up and down. I wouldn't say it's been all terrible. I think there's been problems at left guard and left tackle, but um, I think it's been fine enough that Zach Wilson should be able to survive and get out of the pocket and make some plays. Garrett Wilson, who is, I, I feel like I've said this before. I, he feels like an ideal receiver for Zach just because he's like a playground type of guy where he, if, if Zach's scrambling, he can get open and then he can make things happen after the catch and things like that. So I am very curious to see how it goes. It's funny, like I always said that I was I was waiting to make my opinion about Zach Wilson until I saw him in those joint practices in the preseason games, and I never got the chance to see that. <laughs> so I still don't really know what I think about Zach. I, I, the talent is there, I think. Um, you know, that first series against the Eagles was rough, but it was his first series since the year before, so I'm not going to put too much weight on that. Um, I don't know. I I, I think it could, I think it's going to go better against the Steelers than maybe some people outside of the building at least expect if, if Zach Wilson is assuming Zach Wilson is playing on Sunday and you just hope that you just get some, even if he, he doesn't need to be a star, honestly, he just needs to be competent. They need some competence at quarterback. 
because the talent around him is good enough that if you have a competent quarterback, they should be more competitive. They should be competing in the, into the fourth quarter, which if they don't do that, if they get killed by the Steelers, then we're going to have some, have to have some hard discussions about, you know, what's, what's next. So. Yeah, this is the, you're right. This is the week where we can, I think, really honestly look at this team after that game and, and decide where we think they are headed. Um, now they've said all along, they don't want Zach back on the field until he's, you know, 100%. So 10% can, actually was the- 100, right. Which is, you know, it is, but it is <laughs> <laughs> coach speak at its best, but assuming he's at least a hundred percent and not 110%, um, there won't be any holding back, right? I mean, he should be able to roll out. He should be able to move around, hopefully get out of bounds instead of taking a tackle. But, but overall, um, there shouldn't be any extra protection on Zach Wilson. He should be able to go out there and play his game. Yeah. I mean, that, the, what Salah has been saying since he got hurt is they got to rip the bandaid off at some point. You know, I think it, there was even still, I'm not, I'm not going to name names or anything, but there was like some analysts that were saying that they should still start Joe Flacco and you know, not, not throw Zach out there against, you know, the Steelers is exotic blitzes and all that stuff. Like it, you have to play them at, at a certain point. Um, and, and the idea that Flacco has gone against the Steelers over and over again, like that, I mean, just because he's done it doesn't mean he can do anything against it. Like it's one of those things like you always talk about that with like veteran backup quarterbacks. It's like, you know, he's done it before, so we trust him, but you know, maybe there's a reason why he's a backup is that he's not good enough to do it <laughs> full time. So, um, yeah, so yeah, you got to rip the bandaid off and you know, I I still I think it'll probably be rusty to start the game. I think that would be reasonable to expect. But you just hope he doesn't turn the ball over, that he doesn't put himself in position to get injured and that you know, as the game progresses, he gets better. And th- th- those are the three things that they're going to be looking for on Sunday and then as each game go on, hopefully you see something from him. You know, he, he wouldn't be the first quarterback to have a rough rookie year and then bounce back. He also wouldn't be the first quarterback to have a rough rookie year and that's who he is so you hope it's the former not the latter obviously and now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct tv satellite free direct tv gives you access to apps like netflix and live sports right next to each other i don't get it let me put it in pigeon terms it's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place how am i supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Yeah, I mean, you can see it takes some quarterbacks time. I mean, on one hand, you have guys that step right in, but then you have Jalen Hurts, who, right, we weren't sure about. And now look at this Eagles team and and what Jalen Hurts is doing. It took him a while to kind of figure it out, so we'll see. All right, a few other news and notes. We kind of got through a lot of the injuries, I think. Quincy Williams, high ankle sprain. Seemed like that could have been a lot worse, though, yeah. watching him go off. Um, you know, Dwayne Brown working his way back. Uh, he can return this week, technically, right? But, it, uh, you know, he won't be on the field. Yeah, Sunday, I mean, he I hasn't imagine. practiced at all yet. So, right. Um, but yeah, George Fan is the one I'm sure you're about to bring up. Yeah. Yep. So jump right in. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. It, it was kind of alarming that, you know, George is coming off knee surgery. So he was banged up. He's 30 years old. It's not like he's Dwayne Brown, 37. He he was he's getting rest days every Wednesday, like that's that's alarming for the beginning of the season. That means his knee is seriously bothering him. He's been on the injury report the whole time. Uh, he struggled. He was better in week two than week one, but he was worse in week three than week two or week one. Uh, and I think the knee was bothering him. He he had a lead, when he left the game. He had been playing so poorly that everybody thought he got benched, but he, he it was announced as an injury thing. And so they had to put they had to purposely put Connor McDermott in at left tackle. Um, and I know fans, fans get riled up when you even mention that guy's name. 
Um, so it, the idea that he might have to start on Sunday, which, you know, if I, if I'm putting money on it on a Tuesday, I'd say probably <laughs> he's probably gonna have to start on Sunday. They, they brought in reinforcements. It took them a while, but they signed Mike Remmers to the practice squad. I don't think it's been officially announced yet. Uh, he's a veteran guy, 90 career starts. He got hurt last year uh, on the chiefs that his agent says that he's, he's cleared or whatever. Uh, you know, he, he was a starter for the giants for a while. He's, he can play left or right tackle. He's, Obviously, the fact that he's available in September means he's not like amazing or anything. But I, I would think he'd be an upgrade over McDermott. But he's certainly not going to be ready to play this week. Maybe even maybe it'll take even longer than that. I don't know. It's, I mean, this guy hasn't been with the team since the end of last season. So, um, they they waited to do that because they thought they had Dwayne Brown and George Fan and Max Mitchell and McDermott was fine as a fourth tackle. And now all of a sudden they're losing guys and it's only <laughs> week four and they're having to pick a guy off the street that you know. I wouldn't be shocked if he starts a game this year at some point. Um, maybe soon. I don't know. It's, it's alarming, but this is kind of the, the hand that are being dealt right now. And, you know, it, like we were talking about earlier, when everybody gets healthy, maybe they'll all of a sudden have depth. It's just a matter of how they use the guys. But it's it's alarming for this week, and they should be thankful that TJ Watt is hurt because <laughs> that dude might have got seven sacks against them. Yeah. Do you remember when Dwayne Brown was a luxury signing? Oh, remember my that? God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Like Makai Becton, it doesn't even feel like he's on the team. We talked about this when Makai went down. We're like, eventually we're gonna like forget about him, and we kind of are. It's kind of already. Happened. It's incredible. For two years in a row, he was like the story in the off season, and then now he's like basically it doesn't feel like he's on the team anymore. He, he, he like sends tweets every like every week that are kind of entertaining because he's like watching from afar like a fan now. Uh, but it, it's just crazy what they've gone through on that O line, um, and the fact that Max Mitchell is at the very least average or competent is like huge. So. Especially if they have to play McDermott at left tackle on Sunday. All of a sudden, they maybe wish they didn't cut Chuma Dogo, which is yeah. a sad state of affairs, probably. <laughs> <laughs> but then not that sorry about it. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it, that's what happens, though, with some rookies, right? You get thrown into the fire, and, and some guys are able to to just learn on the fly and figure it out. And it's great to see Max Mitchell do that. All right. That's going to do it for this episode. Um, you can, there's some great stuff on the athletic right now. You can join for $1 a month for six months, go to the athletic.com slash can't wait. You definitely want to check out Zach's story on Garrett Wilson. Um, talking to all of his quarterbacks ever, right? Like Talk, not back all to, of them, but I talked to like a couple, well, of not his college school, quarterbacks, his like favorite but, high school quarterback. Well, I yeah. tried getting, uh, our Ohio State writer to get uh, C.J. Stroud, but he said Stroud. That, like they don't give very good access out of schools like that. <laughs> By the way, one no. one thing we we forgot to mention, uh, I I Chris Strabler, uh I saw him. <laughs> he he was he was working out before the game in like a muscle shirt, which you know that just goes with his personality. We love we love to see that <laughs> before the game. He was he was in a muscle shirt throwing passes around. Chris Strabler was never Garrett Wilson's quarterback. I, I, I but. yet. So I, yeah. I told, I, I told, <laughs> I texted you guys this. I, when I was, was I, so I like surveyed the locker room about Garrett Wilson. I talked to Mike White and I was going to go over to Chris Trevor. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to give it a little time. Cause I, I don't know if he sees all the tweets I send about him. I don't know if he'd be like, are you the guy that just won't stop talking about me? And I, I just, I, I, I got scared. I don't, I don't usually get scared going up to guys. And I was like, I don't, I don't think I can do it. I need to give it, give it some space. <laughs> give it some space before we uh, have him on the podcast. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's the goal. All right. We'll be back uh, later in the week to get you ready for this big Steelers game, which we've talked about. It. It's going to, we're going to learn so much. Wait, do, do we pick Steelers. someone for picks this week? Oh, right. Marissa. Um, DM me. Send <laughs> me. There, nothing's really, no one's <laughs> nothing's... really like stood out to me in the chat so far today. Ooh, so you got to okay. woo me. 
We did get <laughs> a tweet Marissa, too. Just say something about Maryland. That's how you get in. Yep. <laughs> well, I mean, Taylor's at the bar so high last week doing the best. And uh, he's Arizona alum, so he's yes, at the top yes. of my list. And we need yeah. to get it back to the Maryland side, maybe. Or Syracuse. <laughs> hey, if you did, uh, did uh, if anybody's from Syracuse, four, I feel like we need four and to oh, cover Tim. Yeah, yeah, Syracuse football, man. Four and oh. good. We're back. Yeah. We're back. All right. And we will be back later this week with another episode. Good